Welcome to New City Church. This is Matt Freeman, and we are so thankful you are studying the Word of God with us. Jesus founded New City after our forever home, the New Jerusalem from Revelation 21. He wrote our mission statement to foster, strengthen, and grow an unashamed bride looking for Jesus' return. Let's lean completely on the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach us all things from 1 John 2.27. God is so eager to teach you the depth of his word. Enjoy the study. Before we get started, I just want to I just want to pray real quick and petition and the blessing that Revelation has for all of us. And just this is going to be this is special these next two as we close out the the book. So Lord, we just thank you so much again for this time together. God, I pray that you Lord, that you would just wrap your hedge of protection around this church, Lord. We are praying against anything, any foul and unclean spirit that would distract us, that would seek to keep our minds occupied this morning. Lord, against any assignment, we cancel it. And we pray that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we are claiming the blessing at the beginning in chapter 1 of, Blessed is he who readeth and he who hears the words of this prophecy, God. Bless this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are, we're going to wrap up chapter 21 today, and Ryan, you mind going to, there we go. Yeah, so the final, the final six chapters of the Bible, and we're going to finish chapter 21 today, and then next week, actually, we're going to pause, and I've got a special Christmas message I want to share with all of you next week that's all about the timing of when Jesus was born who are the Magi? What is all of that about that we have had kind of in our traditions of Christmas for so long? And I think there will be some really cool surprises for all of you in that. So it's going to be cool. So next week, we're going to do that Christmas message. The 26th, we will not have church the day after Christmas, and we'll meet back up on the 2nd to start Revelation 22. Somewhere in between there, I think, will be the some type of a Christmas service or something that Ryan was mentioning I don't know what it'll be yet, and we don't have any details yet, but maybe just a night of worship. I have no idea. Mason's going to get it all planned out for us. So <laughs> he's, he's on it. He's got it. He's, it's all going to be planned out perfective, perfectly. Uh, AG, can you go to the next one? All right, so our, our new city, this was something that the, I think the second message we had at this church after the founding of it, this was a statement the Lord had given me that I shared with everybody, but it was our new city will be built on what we do right now, and we've talked a lot about this over this last year and going through this book and the messages about inheritance, rewards, serving Jesus in the sanctification process and what we're all going through right now and what it means really to chase after him wholeheartedly, but look at this. I, I, this was amazing. God showed me this this week, and I had never considered this, but we talk about Hebrews 11.6 every single week here in church as why is faith important. Okay, but I want to read this entire verse. We always stop at the, the colon up there, and we don't read the rest of it. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This is the only place in the entire Bible the word rewarder is used as an attribute of God. And I found that amazing. The Lord told me to look that up, and that is incredible. 
What it literally means in the Greek is one who pays wages a rewarder. And it's perhaps, honestly, it's perhaps the most overlooked attribute of God in the Bible. I remember my entire life growing up, I had never even heard the biblical truth about inheritance, rewards. What does it mean to serve Jesus? All the parables about 10 cities, five cities, one city, what you did with your talents that were given you. And of course, all of it we throw at the feet of Jesus in Revelation 4 and 5 when we cast our crowns at his, at his feet and give him all of the praise and the honor. So it's nothing about being prideful or selfish in any way. It's all about serving him. And I just love that here, right here in this verse, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so it, it is, it's there in plain sight. But it's so subtle you would miss it if you were not studying the entire word of God. And crowns, rewards, the overcomer, and really our home, the new city, that we all have to look forward to, the new city. Hebrews 11.8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out unto a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city with hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Now, how cool is that? You don't learn this at all anywhere in the entire Old Testament, but Abraham walked around looking for the new city. He walked around looking for a city whose foundation was laid by God Almighty and not man. And that is the home that we're going to, the new Jerusalem. That's it. Abraham looked for it, and he never saw it in his day. We have, we have the esteemed privilege of being the generation that is the closest to it that's ever walked on planet Earth. And whether it happens in our lifetime or not, we're closer than anyone has ever been, which is incredible. But do you believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? That's a question. It's just a challenge question for you guys to really think about. Do you believe that? Because if you really believe that, then it changes the way you live your life. It's, it's a life of servitude for the Messiah who laid down his life for us. And are you looking for that city whose builder and maker is God? That is your home. I have been homesick for a long time. And I've, I've said that a few times up here, but seriously, I've been homesick forever, a long time, decades, because I have never really felt like I had a home until I moved here back to Oklahoma City six years ago from Kansas City for the first time in my life and meeting all of you in this church and this community. I finally felt like I temporarily have a home that I absolutely love and adore. And it's really because of the family around us, not so much where we live. It's the people but Jesus has a place for all of us to gather together forever, which is so cool. Praise God. What is this new city going to be like? This is what this, the final part of this chapter is all about. What is this city going to look like? And how does God describe our forever home that he went in John 14, what Jesus did to go prepare it for us? So we picked up two weeks ago, we finished off in verse 8. We'll pick up in verse 9 here. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. 
Now, it's amazing how the angels and the Lord describe this as the bride, the new city. Remember, we, we saw last time it was adorned as a bride coming out of her chamber to meet her bridegroom. It's a description of the beauty of this new city and how it has been thoughtfully prepared for us as the bride of Christ, as our forever home. And Jesus has, has ducked it out to the extreme. It's going to be just incredible. So verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out, from, out of heaven from God. Now, up to a high mountain, there's, obviously there's no mountain on earth you could go stand on that would look into heaven and see the new Jerusalem. There's not a single mountain on earth you could go do that in. When you think about this, this is dimensionally a different high mountain. And it's the same thing. Remember Satan, when he tempts Jesus, he, take, he takes him to a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the earth. There's not a mountain on the planet you could stand on to see the entire earth. So clearly, Satan was taking him somewhere in that other dimension that Jesus obviously has access to, that we will have access to. But it's amazing how all through the Bible, mountains are where angels and everybody, they would just always come and go, right, on mountains. Jacob's ladder from Genesis, when he laid down to rest, he saw the, the heavens open and angels ascending and descending back and forth from heaven on a mountain. Moses met the Lord on a mountain. God came down on mountains. Jesus is going to come down on a mountain in Zechariah 14 when he steps the foot, his foot back on the Mount of Olives. So mountains are always critical, but this is a different type of mountain. So that great city, the Holy Jerusalem, it's our new city. And that's, here we go, with the namesake of the church. It's incredible. Having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Now, I'm just going to say this real quick before we, before we go on, but there's lots of stones, different precious stones listed here in the Bible in Revelation 21. This was the ancient form that the the Lord would use to describe colored light. And so it's, yes, they could be precious stones in here, but it's the way that God used to describe colored light. Adam and Eve were clothed in light before they fell. Satan was clothed in light, this colored light, before he rebelled. And so it's really difficult. We've lost the track of the names from ancient times to today. So what they called a topaz or a sapphire or a ruby is something totally different than what we would call it today. So you can't, it's hard to connect one for one the light that they saw then, that color compared to today. Now, and of course, this is going to be like we talked about in our resurrected bodies where we're not limited to just the rainbow light spectrum. We're going to have, it goes in infinite directions both ways. And so we're going to see way more colors infinitely more colors than what we see now. And that's really what's being described here. So don't, don't try to limit yourself to, well, it's turquoise and red and gold and an amber color. This is going to be, it's literally off the charts in both directions, which is so cool. In verse 12, and, I, and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Now, we don't get the detail here, but you'll see it later. We get the detail in Ezekiel 
that God actually labels which, which three tribes are in, are in each of the four gates. And so he lays it out for us in Ezekiel in this new city, the names of the, of the 12 tribes, how they're spread out. They are not, they don't match one for one to the book of Numbers when the children of Israel are roaming in the wilderness. If you're here at Bible study on Friday, we showed that picture. But when they would stop and camp around the tabernacle and they had three tribes on each side of the tabernacle, the way they spread out in numbers, it formed a cross. And this isn't laid out quite like that. The tribes are different. They're in a different order here. So what it's going to look like, who knows, but it's going to be really cool. So why are the gates in the New Jerusalem? Why are there gates? You know, just think about that. We're in a heavenly, eternal reality with a city that Jesus has prepared for us for almost 2,000 years, why do we have gates? There, there's nobody rebelling anymore. We're all living sin-free. We're with the Lord. And I'll be honest, I don't know the answer. <laughs> I really don't. I've been thinking about this, but are people trying to get in that should not be on the grounds of the new city? We know that there's the heavenly reality, the new Jerusalem, and there's a new earth. So there's two different spots. There are going to be people on the earth, we're going to see from Ezekiel, that come into the new city to worship the Lord and bring sacrifices and offerings to Jesus during this time in eternity. So there's clearly, there's a group of people on the earth. Is it because they have a rebellion at some point? I have no idea. I really don't. It's just, I'm challenging all of you to think through this. What is going on in eternity at this point? So in verse 13, on the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. You know, Israel was our gateway into Jesus. Do not ever forget that. That Jesus, yes, he is our Messiah, he is our Savior, he is the creator of the universe, but he is a national king. He is the king of the Jews. And Pilate wrote that, if you remember on the cross, he wrote it in three languages, Greek, Latin, and Hebrew which is impressive for, for Pilate. But he wrote it as an acrostic also. If you didn't know that, there's a fun fact for you. If you didn't know this, when he wrote King of the Jews, the acrostic in Hebrew was Y-H-W-H. So it spelled the name Yahweh, which is why the Jews were so upset. And they came to him and said, write not King of the Jews, but that he said he is King of the Jews. They wanted it changed because then it wouldn't have an acrostic that spelled out Yahweh. But Israel was our gateway into Jesus, and they rejected him. It's actually one of the greatest miracles of the entire Bible that Israel rejected their Messiah. Because of that, he ushered in the church, which is incredible. And so literally, the gates are Israel, the names of Israel, but the foundations are the, are the apostles. And so think about that. The gateway to Jesus was through Israel, but the foundation of Jesus was laid by the apostles all over the world which is incredible, even that imagery here in the new city. So in verse 15, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. This is a massive city. So the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. A square represents justice or what is just. 
all throughout the Bible. Uh, the altar of burnt offering from Exodus 27 represents the need for sacrificial atonement and consecration, and it was four square. You can see that in Exodus 27 there. The altar of incense was also four square and represents our prayers, the prayers of the saints going up to heaven. It was four square in Exodus chapter 30 right there. So you have all of these things that were four square. The breastplate of the high priest was also four square. So the breastplate of judgment was also four square, and thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work after the work of the ephod. Thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twined linen. Shalt thou make it four square, it shall be being doubled. A span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And then it's, it's repeated again in Exodus 39 about it being four square. So the breastplate was called the breastplate of judgment. So think, I want you to think about this, the four square and how it relates to, to this. And the high priest was required to wear it into the Holy of Holies to symbolize his intercessory role. In essence, he was wearing the sins and the judgment of the people, bringing them to the mercy seat through the process of atonement, forgiveness, and cleansing that the temple rituals dictated. The people themselves could not approach the dwelling place of God beyond the veil. If you remember, if you even tried to go in and you weren't the high priest, they made you wear bells in case you died, and then they would hear it and they would drag you out by a rope because they didn't want to go in and get you because then they would die. And so they had this whole ritual where even if the high priest wasn't worthy enough to go in, he had these bells on his attire so that they could hear if he died and just drag him out with a rope. But that's, it took that much preparation to even get into the presence of God at the mercy seat. And, of course, when Jesus is on the cross, the veil is torn, meaning open house. He made a way for everybody. No more rituals to get in. No more sacrifices, no more edicts of you have to do this and make sure you're wearing the right thing. And you've got the stones of the breastplate, the high priest on there representing the sins of the people. None of that. Open house. But the people themselves could not approach the dwelling place of God beyond the veil. So the priest was required to represent them. And this is the basic purpose of the breastplate. By wearing the names of the tribes, the priest was bringing them before God through atonement and intercession. And this substitutionary role of the high priest, it's obviously rendered perfect and complete in and through the cross in Christ's eternal role as our high priest. And the book of Hebrews builds that whole case about Christ being our high priest now. And what does that mean? So the length and the breadth and the height of it are all equal to 12,000 furlongs. Okay, I don't, I'm, I don't think many of you spend a lot of time down at the horse races, so maybe you don't know what a furlong is. But a furlong, I actually had to look this up because I, I don't race horses. But one furlong is approximately 220 yards. Okay, so 12,000 furlongs is 1,500 miles. Okay, think about that. This city is 1,500 miles square. Okay, that's the distance from Miami to Lawrence, Massachusetts, or from Hollywood to Lincoln, Nebraska. And you can drive a long time for 1,500 miles. That's how big this city is. There will be plenty of room in the New Jerusalem, plus the New Earth. And remember, it's two separate places. Every person on Earth right now, all 8 billion of us, 
we could fit inside the square miles, the city limits of Lexington, Kentucky. Just think about that. That's how much land is on earth right now. If you gave every person on earth one square foot to stand in, we could all fit in Lexington, Kentucky. Isn't that, that's amazing. Yeah, we'd be kind of tight and, you know, all kinds of COVID restrictions and stuff. We'd probably not allow that. But it's great. Lexington, Kentucky. So a lot of people, when you hear that the length and the width and the height are all the same, a lot of people view this as a cube, right? Because all, all the sides are equal. I personally tend to view it as a pyramid. And because you could have the width and the, the length the same on the base and the height could be equal, but it doesn't say it's equal up on all four sides. It's just in the middle. And I think that's modeled for us in Isaiah 19, 19. And I could be, again, this is Acts 17, 11, all over it. So don't take Matt Freeman's word for it. You guys go search the scriptures and see for yourselves. But in Isaiah 19, 19, in that day shall there be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar at the border thereof to the Lord. Now, if that doesn't mean anything to you, if you've never studied the Great Pyramids of Giza, there's, a, there's an incredible, I've got a couple of incredible videos you could listen to. It's all about mathematics and science, and it probably would bore you to tears, but I found it absolutely fascinating because we couldn't build these things today if we tried with our modern technology. And when you study it closely, it, it ties into Jerusalem in a lot of crazy ways with mathematics, the height of it is the mean height of the earth above sea level. There's lots of, of really peculiar attributes of it. But it may have been an altar to the Lord before the flood of Noah. And what there's an explorer, I can't remember his name, but he was, he was stuck on this verse in Isaiah about an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar at the border thereof. And literally where the Great Pyramid of Giza is, it happens to be in the middle of Egypt and at the border thereof. So it, it satisfi satisfies both of those requirements, which is really interesting. Anyway, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but I think it could be a pyramid like that. The New Jerusalem could be modeled after a pyramid, which would be really cool. But 1,500 miles high, too. So I, just think about this. This is obviously not in three dimensions, so there's no city you could build on Earth that would be 1,500 miles high. You'd be out of oxygen in outer space quick. If you don't know how close space is, Lawton, Oklahoma is further away than space from here. Just think about that. My in-laws live further away from me than outer space, <laughs> which is weird, and they're just down I-44. But anyway, just a fun fact. So... In 21 verse 17, and he measured the wall thereof 144 cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. So the walls, why are the walls 216 feet high? That's a huge wall. That would be, that's 144 cubits. What they did back then is they measured a cubit about the length from your elbow to the tip of your finger. And conservatively, it'd be about 18 inches. Some people view it as 24 inches. If you viewed it as 18 inches, the wall would be 216 feet high. This is a gigantic wall. It would be like a, a skyline in a downtown somewhere. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. 
and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony. I don't even know what kind of stone that is. The fourth an emerald, the fifth a sardinx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysoporus. I don't even know what that is either. The eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst. Okay, there's all the stones that make up the foundations of the wall of the city. So the, the foundation of it is colored light is holding up this city, which is incredible. So the order of the stones in the New Jerusalem, they are, they're different than the order that the high priest wore them in the breastplate of the high priest. And that order that they wore them as is in Exodus 28, verses 17 through 20. But I want you to see this. Satan was clothed in light, represented by these precious stones. In Ezekiel 28, verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. And then the Lord goes through this list. The workmanship of thy taverns and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Do not forget that Satan is a created being. Jesus created him. And notice that at the end of this, the workmanship of thy taverns and of thy pipes. From that verse alone, you can kind of conclude that Satan probably led worship in heaven before he rebelled. And he was clothed in light. He was the sum of all wisdom and beauty that God had created. We don't think about this much, but I am certain that the Lord was absolutely heartbroken when Satan rebelled. He was the anointed cherub that covered God's throne. Think of the intimacy the Lord must have had with him, and then he rebelled. It's, it's an incredible thought to think about, but there is no redemption for him, which is why he has to go to war, because Jesus didn't die for the angels. Jesus came as the image of man to die for us. There's no redemption for them. And he, he probably led worship. It's why music today is so satanically inspired in lyrics. And if you're not paying attention to what your kids are listening to, you need to. Because even some of the pop culture artists you hear on the radio, if you listen to their lyrics, it is satanic. And, and it's, music is created to worship. And if it's not worshiping God, it doesn't matter how innocent it is, it's worshiping the enemy no matter what it says. And so just keep that in mind as you're listening to music and as you're thinking about what your kids listen to, as what you subject them to in your home, just think about that. You're inviting something in. It's either going to be Jesus or something else, one way or the other. Okay, in verse 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. Okay, the pearly gates, right? This is where everybody gets this in, in pop culture, that they're going to meet Peter at some pearly gates. And Peter's obviously not here letting people into the gates, you know, holding books and welcoming people in. And David, good to see you. Mason, glad you're here, you know, et cetera. These, these pearls, though, it's interesting because a pearl is a Gentile stone and not a Jewish stone. Pearls were unclean to the Jews, to Hebrews. 
But listen to, look at this idiom here. It's an amazing, amazing idiom from the Lord, from Jesus. They come from the sea. And Isaiah said, the wicked are like the troubled sea. He connects the Gentiles to the sea in the book of Isaiah. And the pearl comes from the sea, not from the earth. Remember when we looked at the two beasts in Revelation, one out of the sea, which was probably the false prophet from, um, or I'm sorry, the, the Antichrist from the Gentiles. The false prophet rose out of the earth, likely a Jewish of Jewish descent. They grow from a stimuli through accretion and irritation. Think persecution. Persecution. They grow through accretion. So it's an irritation that makes a pearl grow. And then they are removed from their place of growth to be an item of immense adornment, just like the church. And it's also why Jesus uses this as an analogy for the church in the seven kingdom parables in Matthew 13. If you remember all the way back to the seven letters of the seven churches, we looked at how those line up to the seven kingdom parables. And that's why Jesus uses that as an analogy for that. But pearls, it's, it's amazing. You pull them out of this place of irritation, of persecution, and through that they grow to be something incredibly beautiful that then you take off and you wear it as an item of adornment. It's exactly, it fits the perfect model of Jesus and the church in him taking us home as, a, as his bride to adorn. In, cha- in verse uh, 22, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Okay, there's no temple in the New Jerusalem, and why is that? It's Matthew 12, 6, But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. Jesus is there constantly with us. There's no more need for a temple to come into fellowship with him because he is with us. In verse 23, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So no sun, no moon. Jesus is the light of the world, and so he is going to be the light of this new earth, this new city and the earth that it's hovering over. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. So see, is this why there are gates? Because people from the earth come and visit, and they're bringing glory and honor to Jesus in it? I don't know. It's, it's incredible to think about. This is the only place, this in Ezekiel, that you get hints of this in the whole Bible. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. Now, that's interesting because in the Old Testament, the only city whose gates were left open were the cities of refuge. And I don't think we've ever talked about this in here, but the cities of refuge... It, it completely models Jesus for us. If you remember, there were six cities of refuge from the Levites. Their gates could never be shut. And if you committed second-degree murder, you had to run to one of those cities and stay there for refuge until the high priest in Jerusalem was, was passed away, until he was killed or died. And then you could be set free. Now, when you think about that, what a strange method of dealing with second-degree murder in the Old Testament. But it models Jesus, because what did Jesus say on the cross? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's a second-degree murder application. They didn't know what they did. And thus, because we didn't, the world didn't, we all 
have the legal right to a city of refuge. And when you run to that city, you stay there. That city is Jesus. And how long do you stay there? Until he dies, the high priest. Then you're set free. Now, if you were to leave before then, you were subject to whatever the family wanted to do to you in the Old Testament. But it's an amazing model of our relationship with the Lord. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall be in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that closes the chapter for chapter 21. So the New Jerusalem, it's got four sides. Four is the number of wholeness and structure or or nature. It's amazing how the foundation of creation itself, the wholeness of life, is all built on the structure of four. And the DNA of all living things is comprised of four letters, G, C, A, and T. There are four blood types in animals and humans, A, B, O, and A, B. There's four chambers of the heart, the right and left atrium and the right and left ventricle. The cerebrum, the largest part of the brain, is divided into four lobes. The part of the eye that's visible is four parts, the the iris, the cornea, the pupil, and the sclera. There's four basic tissues in humans. There's four types of plant tissue, ground, dermal, vascular, and meristrum. Four orders of nature, material, plant, animal, and human. There's four types of compounds within living organisms. The cow's stomach is divided into four digestive compartments. There are four kinds of teeth, eight incisors, four canines, eight premolars, and 12 molars, including four wisdom teeth, even four in a subgroup of that. There's four fundamental forces of nature, gravity, the strong nuclear force, which is interaction, electromagnetism, and weak nuclear force, which is interaction. Matter exists in four states, solid, liquid, gas, and plasma. There's four terrestrial or rocky planets in our solar system, Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. There's four giant gas ice planets in our solar system, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. Four of Jupiter's moons are readily visible from the Earth, the Galilean moons. All winged insects, with the exception of flies, have four wings. There's insects of the superorder that are all broken down into four stages. They complete metamorphosis in four stages. Math is comprised of four rules, addition, subtraction, division, and multiplication. Four is the smallest composite and squared number. It's the only number you can do that. It's the smallest one. Special relativity and general relativity treat nature as four-dimensional. The common uh, musical scale is built on two sets of four notes, C, D, E, and F, and G, A, B, and C. I hope that's right, Mason. You can correct me afterwards if it's wrong. Our new city is going to be magnificent. It's amazing how God, and that's just a short list. I could have kept going on and on and on and on. But four is everywhere in creation in the way God structured it. And I personally cannot wait to sit with all of you in that new city. So to close it out, Ezekiel 48. And these are the goings out of the city of the north side, 4,500 measures. And the gates of the city shall be after the names of the tribes of Israel. So here are how those names of the gates are situated in the new city. Three gates northward, one gate for Reuben, one gate for Judah, and one gate for Levi. And at the east side, 4,500, and three gates, and one gate for Joseph, Benjamin, and Dan. At the south side, 4,500 measures, and three gates, one gate for Simeon, Issachar, and Zebulun. And at the west side, 4,500 
with their three gates, Gad, Asher, and Nephtali. It was round about 18,000 measures, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. And the name of it is Jehovah Shema. That's what that means, Jehovah Shema, which is on the, the painting down here engraved in the wood. So Jehovah Shema, that's the name of the new city from that day forward. The Lord is there. How cool is that? So get in the word of God. You know, what we're doing right now in this life, it literally is going to totally impact the new city and how to build your faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's impossible to please God without it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you need to do it daily. Search the scriptures daily. So you can only build your faith by being in the word of God and you need to do it every day. It's your armor for everything. And so really it's a call to, again, I I tell this to you guys all the time, but get serious about your walk with the Lord right now. And what I want to do real quick, this came across from a friend uh, just earlier this week. A couple of people actually sent this to me, but I I wanted you guys to see this about how serious you need to be getting in your walk with the Lord right now. And I've said this a lot, but there really is, there is no time for gray, living in the gray with Jesus right now. You need to get wholly on that side of living for the Lord. Now, this is crazy, and I'm hoping all of you can see this on the screen, but the United Nations this week on November the 9th, now this is, this is stage setting, and we've talked about this a lot in here, the stage setting for the end times that's going on all over the world right now and what's happening in the world. Look at this. On November the 9th, a guardian for international peace and security sits on the visitor's plaza outside the UN headquarters. It's in New York City. The guardian is a fusion of a jaguar and eagle and donated by the government and donated by the government of Mexico. It's created by these artists. Okay, so hopefully you can see on the screen this picture of this jaguar with wings that is outside the United Nations capital in New York City. When you look at Daniel 7, 7, 7-4, when Daniel gets this vision of the beast, these final world empires, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Man, that is is remarkably (laughs) similar to what Daniel would think looks a lot like a lion with eagle's wings. I mean, they cannot be any more in your face with this stuff as a world right now. This trying to usher in this globalist, one world government, one world system that the UN is all over. And I'm not saying this is it, do not misunderstand, but it's amazing the tension of them trying to bring on the final world empire before it's time because the church is still here. And look at what 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 10 says. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and security, or peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travel upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness because you're studying the word of God, because you're looking for Jesus, because you're fostering, strengthening, and growing an unashamed bride, looking for Jesus' return. 
that that day should overtake you as a thief. So there's something you can do that that day does not overtake you as a thief. There's something you can be looking for to be to be expectant of Jesus's return, right? There's something you can be looking for that that day does not overtake you. It's, it's called knowing Bible prophecy. Ye are the children of light and the children of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober for they that sleep, sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, which is what starts in chapter six on of Revelation, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Okay, one more thing real fast. Mason, keep playing, you're fine. The, what I, but I, I, wanted to, I wanted you guys to see that because it's a call to action, right? Again, it's the stage setting that continues in our world constantly and is going on. And it is just right in front of you. If you are in the Bible, you will pick up stuff like this and you'll see this all over the world in things. And because of that, we didn't, I didn't get to read this last week. I just wanted to read this real quick for everybody because this, this means a lot to me on what we're doing here at New City Church and how really the Lord is pulling the remnant together from all over the world, all over the, pl- the globe. People are just hungry for God's word and, and desperate because they see this stuff and they don't know what's going on. They have a feeling in their spirit, right, of this isn't right, this isn't right, something is wrong, what is happening? And we've got to, we've got to all bond together under the word of God. And so this is what this is all about. And I've, I've mentioned a couple times Anthony and Rachel in Australia. Last week they stayed up until 5.30 in the morning, their time to watch the one-year celebration because they just they stay up all night and watch us every week. And they sent us this letter to read last week, and I didn't get a chance to, but it was up on the screen. I just wanted to read this so you guys understand the impact you are having just by being here and being a part of this church. Dear Pastor Matt and New City Church, thank you for what you did for our little family. When the state government suddenly mandated the current mRNA vaccines for health workers, our family was going to lose our income through job loss. It's not as easy as just getting another job. The mandates are all throughout health, other sectors, and in every state. There is nowhere to go. In Australia, welfare is asset tested, and we are not eligible, so we would have to sell our home to provide an income, as we have a five-year-old child to support. Our only hope was to seek a religious exemption. Given only a few days' notice, we approached the angel... (laughs) Anglican Church, in which my father had been a lay priest for several decades, and my mother is still an active member. We were turned away. We could not find, we could find no church anywhere in this country that would help us. We do have a long affiliation with Gary Stearman's ministry right here in Oklahoma City, Prophecy Watchers. So we wrote to him about our situation. Everyone is busy, but Gary Stearman is like 85 years old and still authoring books and magazines, roaming the world, digging up biblical artifacts and making DVD documentaries. We did not hold much hope that he would even read our plea, 
but we were desperate. Within hours, Pastor Matt Freeman <laughs> reached to us from New City Church. He would help us. I was shaking and crying, and Matt spent a lot of time with us, familiarizing with our understanding of Scripture. And then he stood up, he intervened, where the dead churches had left us as sheep snared in a trap, abandoned to the wolves. There was Matt, a loyal shepherd for God, courageously putting himself, really New City Church, between us and the jaws of the beast system. He didn't care that the sheep were in the furthest paddock. I don't know what a paddock is, but I'll take it on the far side of the planet, and he didn't care that it was such a tiny group of sheep. New City Church took us into his care, under their care, and into the refuge of the church and prayed a hedge of protection around our family. And there we have remained, somehow invisible to this evil, while tens of thousands around us have lost their ability to provide for their families. In New City Church, we have finally found a church that is alive in the word of God a church that actually understands Genesis and doesn't run scared from the truth of Revelation, a church that is aware of the supernatural na nature of the Bible and embraces the physics and recognizes the times we are in, a church where the people well defended and are courageous and say, choose me, God, send me, even if that means you get sent to the other side of the planet. From beautiful opening music, she loves Kelly, you and Mason, they love listening to you guys, and Chris, when you've been up here. From the beautiful opening music and the intensely knowledgeable and Holy Spirit-guided verse-by-verse walking through the Bible to the powerful calls to action and prayer, I know why Gary, L.A., and Mondo sent us here. We are so very grateful. Thank you, and God bless you all and all the families of New City Church. All our love, Rachel and Anthony. How cool is that, that they, they are... Um, what an amazing family. They, they've sent me some pictures of, they laid out all their DVDs and their entryways. They could see how they've been buying up material because obviously it's getting cancel culture these days. But they just, this is what this is about. And I had no idea the Lord had this kind of move in mind in less than a year after calling us all to start New City. But this is just the beginning. And it's, it was so fun to celebrate last week. Thank you again for all of you being here and hanging with us. I know it went kind of long, but if you're watching this, I know more and more people are watching this all over the world and getting in touch with the word of God. But if you don't know Jesus, it is so simple. Romans 10:9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So we want you to join us in this new city, right? There's a place for you, a home. If you've never felt like you have a home, just try Jesus for a while. He'll make you feel right at home and just come as you are. He'll wipe it clean, lay it at his foot, the foot of his throne, and let him start to guide your life. Isaiah 118, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And that's what it's about. He not only forgives, he forgets. And he casts him away from the book of Hebrews as far as the east is from the west, which is an immeasurable distance. You could go east forever, you could go west forever. And just keep circling that globe. Sorry, Chase, if you're watching. Keep circling that globe. And you could do that forever. That's why the Lord uses that. So with that, I'll close us out in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this time together. God, we just love you. We praise your name. We thank you, God, that you are a God of salvation, 
a God of redemption, a God and a king that we can bring our, our hearts and our mad, what, everything that's on our mind, Lord, the weight of it, just lay it down at your foot, the foot of your throne. And we thank you, God, for this time together. Be with us as we leave this place and protect all of the families here. Lord, we are praying a supernatural hedge of protection of health, God, protection, joy, and abundant peace in their homes to everyone that is a part of this church, whether here in Oklahoma City or down in Queensland, Australia. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen.